What a week. Boy, the kickoff to the U.S. presidential race began in earnest this week. Some would say the results from Iowa, not really that surprising, but there were some very interesting developments there. So for more on all of that and the news from the United States, we're joined by Reggie Giacchini, our Global News Washington correspondent. Good morning, Reggie. Happy winter. <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> Happy winter to you, too. All right, let's talk about what happened in Iowa, because winter hit there hard, but the campaigning went on. Yeah, winter did hit hard. And there was actually some concern, uh, Simi, in the Trump campaign that because it was so cold, because there were so many feet of snow on the ground, that it was actually going to stop some people from coming out to cast a ballot, uh, particularly because Donald Trump had been doing so well heading into the vote. The fear was people may just sit at home because he was doing so well. Well, it didn't matter because uh, people went out to vote and Donald Trump not only walked away with a victory in Iowa, you know, reversing the loss that he had there back in 2016, uh, but he won by a margin that's never been won before by somebody in uh, the Republican Party. And the distance between Donald Trump and second place was also historic because nobody has ever won by like 30 points in Iowa. This Iowa at least was Trump's state to lose. uh, And he walked away a huge winner. Okay, what else was interesting out of there? I mean, I know there was a big battle for second place, too. Sure. Yeah, you know, and that's interesting here is, you know, everybody looks at first being the big prize. But ultimately here, Donald Trump was going to walk away with it. And he did. So all eyes were on second. Nikki Haley was really pushing to become second uh, place, saying that, you know, this should be a two person race. Ron DeSantis spent too much time in Iowa. He was too much Trump light. Ultimately, Ron DeSantis came in second. But the question is, Ron DeSantis coming in second, 30 points behind Donald Trump, but only a couple of thousand and votes ahead of Nikki Haley. Was that a better win for Nikki Haley or was it a bad loss for Ron DeSantis? Looking forward, Ron DeSantis doesn't even have a crew on the ground in New Hampshire ahead of Tuesday's primary. He's moving down to South Carolina. Does he have the momentum to keep going if he loses New Hampshire after having lost Iowa? That's the big question to look at. Right. It, it, are people, the people put a lot of emphasis on this win in Iowa here, Reggie, but in previous election years, the candidate that wins Iowa doesn't necessarily go on to win-win. No, they, rarely does Iowa ever choose uh, the nominee. But, you know, looking at most primaries, rarely does any state choose the nominee. New Hampshire, Donald, uh, rather, Joe Biden came in fifth place uh, in New Hampshire in 2020, partly why New Hampshire is no longer first in the nation for Democrats um, next week. Uh, but Iowa's results simply kind of show what is to be expected going forward, show where the momentum lies. And as a political professor I talked to before the uh, caucuses said, they separate the contenders from the pretenders. Now we have a much narrowed down race after some people had dropped out like Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson and Vivek Ramaswamy. Okay, yeah, that was pretty quick. Um, We're going to talk more about uh, former President Donald Trump at a moment, but I really want to get to the Uvalde report that came out yesterday. This was from the U.S. Justice Department, and boy, was it ever damning. It was scathing. Uh, And essentially what it said was there was cascading failures uh, from pretty much every level uh, of law enforcement in Uvalde, in Texas, uh, that resulted in the deaths of 19 children uh, and two teachers. And what's, what's kind of noteworthy here is that this review came out as a critical incident response. It did not come out to lay blame directly on anyone. There is a parallel criminal investigation uh, underway, but the Attorney General and the Associate Attorney General basically laid out a timeline of saying, as these children were sitting here trapped in a room, police did nothing. 20 minutes later, police did nothing. 40 minutes later, as shots were being fired off, police did nothing, saying that this was um, a a tactical error, that this was a training error, um, and that there's a hope that this will, you know, be a, a kind of a foundation going forward to, to be able to, you know, learn from the colossal mistakes that were made. It may not provide closure 
to the families, but at least it validates their concerns that they've had now for nearly two years that someone screwed up. And according to the Justice Department, it was law enforcement that screwed up. Oh, wow. And not just one area of law enforcement, but it felt like every department that showed up there because multiple departments showed up there. Yeah. And, and look, 77 minutes went by from the moment that the that the 18 year old entered the school to the moment that, a, a, you know, a, a police force, I believe it was the Border Patrol that actually went in and finally neutralized that suspect. 77 minutes. And there were a series of different law enforcement personnel that were surrounding that school and in that school. And the Justice Department was critical, saying, look, you treated this like a barricaded suspect, not as an active shooter, which goes against all of the kind of initial training that police would go through here. You know, does this change going forward? Do we see reforms in policing going forward? You know, we'll see we'll see kind of what the outcome is from this report. Five hundred and forty five plus pages. This was damning. Oh, boy. Okay, it really, really was. Um, Let's uh, recap as well what happened this week with Donald Trump on all the different kind of legal fronts that he's facing. So still waiting to find out uh, if he has immunity uh, from uh, being charged for anything while he was in present. What's important here, Simi, is that on social media, kind of doing a bit of rage farming, he put in big capital letters, if you make mistakes, even if those mistakes are kind of on purpose, uh, you should still have immunity. So questions to watch about what Trump is ultimately trying to say here. Uh, In New York, uh, the the damages trial from accusations that he raped Eugene Carroll is continuing, uh, and it continued at a contentious rate over the course uh, of the week. Both Donald Trump and his lawyer were repeatedly shot down or or scolded by the judge in the trial. Trump himself was kind of muttering and murmuring out loud at the table to the point of where the judge almost threw Trump out of court, saying, you're essentially using this right now as, as a campaign spot, uh, and you're not going to do that in my courtroom. His lawyer, on the other hand, was told to sit down repeatedly because she wasn't actually giving the court any kind of courtesy. Um, you know, this was a spectacle. It's not over yet. Uh, we have to wait to see what the outcome is going to be. But, you know, this this was a bad week for Trump in court. OK, and on top of all of that, then we also have to quickly mention the fact that they're once again talking about a government shutdown. What like how does that have come up every couple of months? Because they don't fund the government properly down here. What they do is they pass these continuing resolutions, which keep things kind of uh, on the previous year spending levels just for a little bit to try and get the funding bills put in place. They decided to keep the government open last night. It was a caving by uh, Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson. He was backed into a corner. More Democrats actually had to join with the Republicans to keep the government open. Mike Johnson may find himself potentially without a job because the hardline Republicans don't like Again? these continuing resolutions. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's been t- it's been floated a motion to vacate. So the, the re- in reality here, the government is open, but only until March 1st. That's when the next shutdown deadline is going to be. We don't know what's going to happen if Republicans are going to, to turf Johnson in, in, in the interim. The, the United States is open for business albeit temporarily. Okay, so when when does this come to a head? When are we going to learn more about that? Well, I mean, likely how this government has been functioning in the week before March 1st, we'll see them kind of really push forward either to get all the year's funding bills put on the table and voted on, or they'll have to do a stopgap measure and do another, you know, continuing resolution. Republicans really don't want that. They really want to cut spending and they want to put 12 months of spending bills out there. They just don't have the support for it. Their margins are too thin. This is a rallying cry for Donald Trump. He's trying to say, look, you know, we need to get this government open. But ultimately, if the government shuts down, it will be the Republicans that do it unless the Democrats bail them out. Oh, we'll boy. find out in March. OK, something else. Reggie, thank you. Thank you. That's our Reggie Cicchini there, Global News Washington correspondent.